rolling. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 531, January 5, 2020. It was 47 degrees on this day in 1885 and again in 2019. Hmm. Had a nice stretch there in 2019. We caught a couple of days break. Uh, 28 below on three occasions, 1804, 1912, 1924. And I bring you these temperatures not as proof of anything, but as a delightful reminder that the cycle of nature continues pretty much unabated in our lifetime. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hello, Hi, Joe. I can see your head, Reavers, so I'm wondering if you got my text message. Oh. Ah, I guess that's the way podcast people (laughs) communicate. Yes. (laughs) You'll recall yesterday that the the Reverend uh, Emmanuel Cleaver uh, concluded the opening congressional prayer by saying amen and a woman, not knowing that amen is Latin for so be it, has nothing to do with gender. And our friend David Bliss in Bulgaria writes, the congressman who closed his opening prayer with amen and a women is named Emmanuel Cleaver. Shouldn't his name be Emmanuel and E Womanuel Cleaver? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you? Hey. I'll be here for two shows. Uh-oh. That's it? You want to hear more about the pregame chatter? No. Okay. No. See, I guess a mother and daughter can wear whatever they want, but it was. Uh, Told to me last night. Let me let me find it here. I I, ha- I have it here. Yeah. See this? Yeah. Hi, Johnny. Hi. Uh, I was made aware last night of a a picture on Twitter of Ilhan Omar and one of her children, hmm. a daughter, who I believe is named Isra Hersey, and she's wearing a little necklace with the acronyms FTP and BLM. And FTP, of course, means bleep the police. And I, I just thought it was a bad luck for a congressional representative. And I, so I verified this, and uh, Alpha News has a picture of it. And uh, it was posted for the new year. And it says, our day doesn't determine our tomorrow. Looking forward to what 2021 has in store for us. Isra acknowledged the meaning of her necklace Sunday morning, mocking those who raised a complaint. Others chimed in under Istra's post to praise her. So, uh, a lot of pushing back there. What? Right? Yeah. One mother shared that her school-age child has an ACAB acronym on her necklace, which stands for All Cops Are Bastards. This is not the first time Isra, a young child, I, I don't know anything about her, has generated controversy. Over this summer, she uh, posted something about the Communist Revolution on TikTok. Uh Omar recently terminated a contract she had with her husband's uh, campaign consultancy business. Oh, she did? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I think that, 
what do I think? Uh, the woke people would have me think that who cares what the kid wears? Uh, but I'm not woke, so I care what the kid wears. And it's a really, really bad message to be sending. But what, what are we to expect from this Omar character? She's a foul, foul character. And she, uh, you know, she, condemning the, the shooting, the police shooting of Dalal Eid, for example, as a state-sanctioned murder. Uh, I was made aware by someone who lives in the belly of the beast that uh, this Eid fellow has quite the record. Yes, that he does, Joe. That, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that he should have been shot. But it's interesting to note that it certainly continues to make folly of the idea that the Star Tribune, in, the, in its Saturday edition, did a long front-page piece on this fellow, virtually canonizing him as a wonderful, wonderful human being who uh, tragically was taken for us, from us by the police. Uh, this is from March 11, 2014. What's that getting to be, almost five years ago? Nope. Huh? Keep going. Five years ago? Nope. 2014 and five is six years ago. There we go. All right. Well, actually, Almost this is 2021, so we're going on seven years ago. My, one more. My microphone is off. I've been saying almost seven for the last 20 seconds. Yeah. Well, you should leave your microphone on, John. <laughs> I know. I was typing it in. The open mic has revolutionized the industry, Whoops. John. Well, if he's 23 now, what would he have been in March of 2014? Oh, Here God. we go. Well, somebody else do it. Seven, I don't want to dwell on it. Be 17, uh, 16, 18. <laughs> Two men were charged. 16. Come on. Two men were charged Tuesday after police say they beat and robbed a man in the locker room of a lifetime fitness in Eden Prairie, according to the Hennepin County attorney. Dalal Bale Eid, 18, oh, he's 18, and Kamal Elias Makwadin, 26, of Shakopee, were charged with first-degree robbery in the incident that occurred on Sunday. Eid was also charged with third-degree assault. According to the charges, officers received a 911 call around 5.50 p.m. Sunday at the Lifetime Fitness on Baker Road. Upon arrival, they met with the victim, who was barely conscious and bleeding from injuries to his face. He had multiple lacerations, and his eyes were swollen shut. He was unable to speak to officers and was transported to the hospital. He suffered a nasal fracture, among other injuries. The charges state that Eid and Makwadin entered the locker room and approached the victim. Eid then reportedly punched the man before taking his wallet and fleeing. A witness was able to get the license plate of their vehicle as the two men drove away. Police watched surveillance video from the gym and recognized Eid from prior contacts. During the officer's investigation, a second assault was reported a few blocks away. Witnesses to the second assault gave a description of the suspect that was similar to Id. He, had, he has also been charged with burglary and assault in that case. Both suspects were located at a nearby apartment building and placed under arrest. Police say Id was bleeding on his knuckle and there appeared to be blood on his pants. The lifetime victims, the lifetime Fitness victim's wallet was also found in Ede's pants pocket, according to the charges. Ede admitted to police that he went into the locker room with the intent of robbing someone and punched the victim five or six times in the face. Both men are expected to make their first court appearance on Wednesday. Ede is also accused in another assault case currently under investigation, including against a detention deputy that occurred on Monday, according to the complaint. So I, I don't even know why this knucklehead was out on the street 
Right. He never should have been in the first place. Just a bad, bad guy. But we're seeing too many of these cases. We keep bringing this up. Mm -hmm. Why are these repeat offenders continuing to be allowed to be out in public? Because there is a movement by the political class to downplay uh, incarceration. And it's all part of that larger dynamic of believing that these people, uh, these people, that sounds horrible to say, uh, it's part of a larger dynamic that believes uh, people of color and immigrants and what have you uh, have had a tough go of it and that uh, more consideration should be given to their circumstances, which is just B as in B, S as in S. This is just a bad guy. I don't care what color he is. He's a bad guy. His father looks like a fool the more he's dancing around claiming that he needs justice. You got your justice, pal. You got a bad, bad kid. It's a shame. I'm sorry you lost him, sir. That's a shame. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry to your wife. I'm sorry. But who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? This was a bad dude. So, So there you have it. And those who continued to defend him and go after the police, including the Star Tribune, by the way, you also look just as foolish. And so does Ilhan Omar. There's no end to what we might have to endure from her. She is not, she does not have America's interests at heart. She has changing America's interests at heart. Yep. And uh, she just continues and will continue to win overwhelmingly. I don't know what she would have to do to open the eyes of her constituency. But on the other hand, she doesn't have the ears of her fellow reps, does she? she I mean, she hasn't done anything. No, but there's the growing movement in Congress that this is what I've been saying for a couple of weeks now. The, the most interesting thing about the Biden presidency is going to watch the uh, so-called traditional Democrats either resist or join the forces of the socialist movement. And it's, it's happening before our very eyes. The, the traditionalists like uh, Pelosi and Biden and Schumer will say, well, we're resisting that. But we don't know that. It'll all have to play out. It's going to be terribly, terribly interesting. Well, the way I see it, it's, it's going to be a case of rural versus um, the places closest to the tallest building the tale of the two americas that's what we're going to become yeah i don't want to be be two americas the the senate and the the senators and representatives that live in the country and live outside of cities are going to represent you know the interests of their constituents right you know republican or democrat so it's the loudmouths that live in the cities we need to worry about well haven't we all been happy with one america most of us have. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't grow up believing there should be two Americas. I, I, well, there I, is. I've been terribly happy with there being one America. But yeah, my God. And, and again, Trump, Trump is not helping. Trump is not helping. He is furthering that divide with his behavior right now. And he's going to bring ruination to whatever the Republican Party thinks it is. He's going to cost this country the Electoral College. And I continue to predict he will uh, cost the the Senate the two Republican candidates in Georgia as that voting continues today. And I continue to get the, the emails from people who say, I just don't understand Trump. The hell I don't. He's a bad guy. He's thrown some stuff at the wall that stuck, and it was pretty good. Other than that, who are you kidding, people? He is a bad, bad guy. 
as far as two Americas go, uh, it, it's not where we're headed, Joe. We're already there. As far as I can Wait see. till we watch what unfolds in D.C. over the next, what, 24 to 48 hours? Where they're bringing in the National Guard. Yep. There's, uh, and we were talking about this before the show started, but there are also checkpoints that the mayor of Washington, D.C. has ordered, and you cannot get through certain checkpoints if you don't have the proper paperwork. Well, what, what, what papers are they, uh, what paper is a civilian being asked to demonstrate? If you have a hotel registration, and for instance, you want to get to a certain spot to get checked into your hotel. You need to prove that um, you have that registration ahead of time, apparently. So that so the Johnson family's out there in their vacation mobile, and they want to walk around and look at the national monument. Boy, did the Johnsons pick a really bad. <laughs> they time. picked a bad week, didn't they? They picked a bad week. Are they going to have to demonstrate to someone that they're what American citizens? Not American citizens, but that they have the the, the means to be in a certain area of the city. It's probably inevitable that we'll have to carry vaccination proof, if for no other reason than maybe to get on an airline in the future. Sure, you know. But I but I don't need my ID to vote, right? That that I still no, don't need. No, no, no. Okay. You don't need that. Okay, good. No. You can borrow your neighbor's utility bill, <laughs> if not your own utility. I shouldn't bill. have opened up that can of worms. No, it's just uh, we're in a can of worms time. We're entering the second year of the pandemic. Hey, happy anniversary. The second year. (laughs) Well, it'll be two years, what, March? Not two years. At this time last year, we didn't have a clue. No. No. We didn't have a clue. We didn't have a clue until the first time we had Mike Osterholm on, which was early February. I think February 4. Yep, first week. Because I remember I was out of town, and we were debating, the, the, the bride and I were debating whether we should go on vacation or not. And I was just getting over that two-month-long illness I had. Uh, and you guys think it was the COVID, but I, I say if it was the COVID, you'd all have it. That's what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're immune. Because we were still in close quarters then. Yeah, yeah maybe, we got, uh, maybe we got antibodies by being around Kenny. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you said you haven't guys. done anything for us. Right. Yeah, about time you're guys. good for something, Kenny. Come, yeah. come on in here and give me a hug. No. I'm just looking at Kenny's room. What the hell is that on the wall? It's Evil no, Knievel it's, standing it's, on the yeah. seat of his Harley pulling a wheelie. Sweet. If I look at if I move over here, you see the GL banner. Oh, background. cool. Yeah. Nice. Big story in the Wall Street Journal about uh, how hot podcast merchandise is mm-hmm. for people. Mm. I think we mm. might have dropped the ball on that mm. when it came to the flags. You think? Or the Krabby Coffee you Shop mugs. Well, Chris, mm. it needs to be brought up. Okay. It needs to be, needs to be rectified. <laughs> it needs to be handled. I guess kids can start playing sports again now, right? But, Joe, we can't, we can't blame Reavers for that. I mean, I'm not I, blaming I mean, Reavers. Okay. No, Reavers, you're off the hook. Thank you. You're off the hook. Good, good. For for the moment, the uh, for now, for, for now. now. <laughs> Restrictions on youth sports have been eased. Uh, Governor Walz's most recent executive order eased some coronavirus restrictions, allowing a limited restart for youth and adult sports and group fitness classes. 
Uh, the governor's ban on indoor dining and bars remains in place for at least another week. I'll have more to say about that anon. Walls is expected to announce later this week whether he will allow those restrictions to expire. Starting yesterday, adult and youth sports can resume practice, but everyone participating must wear a mask at all times, with a few exceptions for certain sports like wrestling and gymnastics. Now, see, that puzzles me. Hmm. Uh, aerobically, uh, I think you're putting out less energy. I'm not condemning wrestlers. I, I have some great friends. That Stan Miller we talked to the other day from San Diego mm-hmm. was a hell of a high school wrestler. Uh, but aerobically, aren't you putting uh, more uh, emphasis on your breathing when you're playing basketball and hockey um. than you would be to gymnastics? Are you kidding me? Wrestling is one of the most physically demanding sports in high school. Well, I'm not, I, I'm not denigrating wrestling. I'm merely suggesting to you, what is the difference? Why do you have to wear a mask to play hockey, but you don't have to wear a mask to wrestle? You're in closer contact with someone wrestling than you are playing hockey. I got you. <laughs> and in gymnastics, you're alone. Hockey is what was the old Monday Night Sports Talk argument between it was between hockey and basketball, right? Remember well, that old one? The, well, we Red used to have a. Go ahead. Red Smith called them up and down games, meaning he thought they were impossible to coach. Oh, no! You had a you and Royce got real. You, you really got into it about which was more difficult. Hockey or Well, basketball. it's obviously hockey. That rube from southern Minnesota had no bleeping idea about <laughs> hockey. He thought the world revolved around basketball. Yeah, <laughs> and baseball. Yeah, Hockey, yeah. that's the game. Yep. Uh, obviously. No more than 25 people will be allowed at practices. No spectators are allowed. Okay, games can resume on Jan 14. Uh, the Park Center High School girls basketball team welcomed the announcement. I can't wait to get done with online school uh, so I can come here, said Adelia McKenzie, a senior on the team. Uh, Coach Barb Metcalf says her teams, they really need each other and the social socialization that comes with sports. Uh, I don't see it as bad, that bad, but it's almost suffocating, but it's not that bad, said Chloe Sink, another senior, about wearing masks while she plays. Uh, I, I really think that if you have a, a game that requires a lot of breathing, you shouldn't have to wear a mask. Uh, I don't know why a wrestler wrestler wouldn't wear a mask. You're not running when you wrestle. Joe, you're, you just completely disregarded what Reaver said to you. It's a really difficult sport. I, I mean, know, I've covered wrestling. I know last, what it is. Look, pal, when's the last time you climbed up on the top rope and threw a flying <laughs> elbow at some <laughs> chucklehead standing three quarters away across the ring? You mean uh, my specialty? Now. My specialty was the folding card uh, card table chair. Yep. I didn't need a mask to bang that over somebody's head. Right over the old backside. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, wrestlers, swimmers, gymnastics, and cheerleaders are not required to wear a mask while they are playing or performing because the state says they are a safety concern in those sports. What would the safety be? Difficulty in breathing? That's the only thing I can come up with. I guess. Uh, But again, it it just goes back to we don't understand what, what the differing rules are with certain things. You know, I can get on an airplane with 400 strangers 
but I can't sit at 30 bales with my family. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to need help with that one. Okay, I, I went down a rabbit hole today, and I, I, it, it would require, quite seriously, I'm being serious, it would require some mathematical and statistical breakdown. But I, I was mm-hmm. reminded again of the Hong Kong flu of 1968, which went well into 1970. And, and killed between a million and four million people around the world and more than 100,000 people in the United States. While a mathematician could break that down and say on a prorated basis, the Hong Kong flu killed about as many people as the COVID has, given the differences in population in the last 60 years, 50 years, right? 52 years. Mm-hmm, and, sure. so I, and, and I don't remember the Hong Kong flu. John, you're old enough. Do you remember it? John Hyde. Microphone, John. Microphone, Jesus, John. John. What is you know, wrong with him? Yeah. I do remember the Hong Kong flu. I just don't remember it to that magnitude of, of being that big a deal that we sat and talked about it. Just well, like, I guess hey, the, point I, the, the point I was going to try to get to is, A, I don't remember it. B, I apparently didn't get it. And C, nothing shut down. Schools did nothing. No, no, there was no change in society. During the height of the Hong Kong flu. No change whatsoever. And so here's what I'm wondering. If the Hong Kong flu was covered in newspapers and on television, the way COVID is being covered, would we have had on a proportionate basis just as many horror stories of horrible deaths? Does that that question make sense? Yeah. In other words, in other words, we've been we've managed to uh, become terrified of COVID nineteen because the uh, news gathering institutions never fail to have for us a tale of such incredible woe and and horrific uh, conditions that we we're we're all on board in not getting it. If the media had covered the Hong Kong flu in the same way. I wonder if things would have been different in 1968. I wonder if things would have closed down. I wonder if schools would have closed. I wonder if hospitals... There was, there was no warning about hospitals being overwhelmed in 1968 and 69. And Were yet, they? on a uh, no. And on a proportionate basis, it was killing as many people as this does. Oh, that was my next question. Yeah. Oh. Well, More than 100,000 yeah. Americans. Well, what was the population of the United States in 1968? It sure as hell wasn't 350 million people. Well, then you know where you're going, what road you're going down here, don't you? The math road? No. What? That this is, the fear is yep. being driven by the media. Mm-hmm. That's what you're, that's the road and you're going it's down. And it's being driven and it's fueled by, by whom? Because the media is just grabbing nonsense and going with it but i don't a case doubt. In point the source of the this uh virus we're now we've gone full circle now with the source of this virus and now they're saying once again what we were saying early on that it was actually accidentally leaked out of a lab in wuhan right right and that was poo-pooed all summer. And exa- accounts were canceled on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube from people saying that. Um, but aren't, aren't we all in agreement that we're taken aback when we read these stories of young, fit people who die these horrible deaths? Of course. Aren't we all taken aback? So that brings me back to my question. But, Had the media covered the Hong Kong flu in 1968, it is my suspicion that they could have produced those same kinds of vile and horrific death stories. 
but we weren't getting them. Well, because it looked, I mean, this, this is obvious, but the media didn't exist in 1968 the way it does in 2020. Well, there's a couple of ways to look at that. One is you're right. Thank you. Uh, if if by if by if I'm interpreting you correctly, there certainly wasn't the explosion of cable television social and media. social media and what and what have you. So you're you're right on that account. But the uh, also the media was better serving the American public in 1968. The media was more likely to be invested in the kind of thinking that was conventional for for most of Americans, which is the United States had not reached a point yet where risk was an aversion, where risk was something to be avoided at all costs as it is now. Uh, well, you media- also had actual journalists back then. You know, now, for the most part, everyone seems to have an agenda. The media was not invested with the political class nearly to the degree it, to the degree it is today. Right there. It isn't, yep. It's not invested in the political class the way it is today. It stood out at its own, as it, it was the great fifth estate, and it had not, it had not swallowed whole the Kool-Aid, drank whole the Kool-Aid that was being offered by the political class. Although even then, the political class had yet to become invested in the idea that they could protect Americans from all risk. The political class was better in 1968, and the and the uh, news gathering institutions were better in 1968. And when a flu came along, it was it might have been an American attitude that, boy, let's be careful. I hope we don't get the flu. Oh, Aunt Betty got it. Damn it, that's too bad. And and life went on. Life went on. But we've we've reached the point now where this Kim Arisman, John, what's her title? Uh, director of infectious diseases, right? She's you know, the one who loves to say, you know, we're going to loosen these restrictions, uh, that, that, but you still face risk. Well, mm-hmm. yes, it's, you face risk to live your life. Again, for all you euphorians who love to listen and you say out of the side of your mouth when you see me walking on Summit Avenue, I love your stuff, but I can't see, uh, be seen telling you that. Okay? I, I get that. I get that. <laughs> they can't even break stride. No, you can't break stride. You cannot break stride. You cannot break stride. I don't doubt the severity of the COVID. I do not doubt it, and I take my precautions. But wouldn't that also have been true in 1968 if you've got a flu in the country that's ravaging the lives of 100,000 people, which proportionally is the same number as today, basically? Wouldn't it have been the same? Hmm. So it was covered differently, if at all. Uh, It'd be fun to go back and and I don't have the time. It'd be fun to go back and read microfilm copies of 1968 newspapers. How was the Hong Kong flu handled? Mm -hmm. And what was it in the teens that... uh, 1918 and and 19. Right. I had a great talk with a cousin the other day. I'm at that age where I lament that there's nobody left to ask questions of. Same here. Oh. And my my dad's mom, oh. my dad's mom in 1918 would have had two babies under her roof, and I would love to be able to ask her, "What the hell did you do during the flu?" Uh, and it, it, one theory is that she probably took the two boys and holed up out in Matamita at a lake cabin until the freezing weather drove her back to St. Paul. 
That's the only thing we could come up with. But she survived it. She's the woman born in a sod hut, you'll recall. Oh, yeah. So if you're born in a sod hut, I guess a little flu isn't going to scare you. But I really, really, wouldn't that have been interesting to ask her about what that was like? And so I, many questions. And I didn't. But when she was, she died in 1976. I got to tell you that 1976 and prior, I was very close to her, by the way. I, I We spent much time together. But it never. I didn't know anything about the 1918 pandemic. It never came up. But I would love to know what she did uh, because they all certainly survived it. And it was just devastating to this country. Just the, devastating. Uh, I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys, okay? That's what yeah, I've been doing here, we here go. of course. Okay, the ca- well, you're case the news fat- man. The case fatality rate of Hong Kong flu, uh, less than 1%, 0.2%. Okay? Can't that be made uh, analogous to what's happening now? Y- the case fatality rate right now of COVID nineteen in the U.S. is three percent, so three point or two point eight percent higher. Okay. Uh, the one hundred thousand deaths happened over a two year span, right. and with COVID nineteen right now, we're almost at three fifty in what right. an eight month span or nine month span. All right. All right. So just I, I'm just throwing numbers out there. It's twice no, as it's, worse. it's it's useful. It's useful. It's useful. It's useful. Twice as worse, basically, to dumb it down, right? Okay. Uh, well, okay. Another way to say more it. More than twice. Two point eight to three. Two or point two percent. Okay, point Dexter. Thanks. To three. You can mute okay, your mic but again now. Wouldn't it have been as devastating to the population though? Wouldn't the population have reacted in nineteen sixty eight to this oh, threat? Yeah. It was a considerable threat. We can argue about percentage points, but it was a considerable threat in nineteen sixty eight and sixty nine. Considerable. Mm-hmm. And I'm just suggesting, I'm not suggesting that COVID isn't real. I'm suggesting is we as a society, we as a culture have morphed into a different kind of people. Oh, no oh, question. I agree completely with no that. Questions. We have morphed into a different kind of people. We don't want any inconvenience in our life. We don't want any road bumps. We don't want any illness. We don't want we to all want to live to be 100. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it goes back to what you case. said about 9-11. That you were you were convinced we wouldn't rally today the way we did back in two thousand and one. I don't same think conversation. So. We're just completely well. We're not different. rallying. Look at us. Right. We're not rallying. We're pointing. We've the become finger. divided. Yes, we've become divided. We're not rallying. We were not divided on September twelfth, two thousand one. We are divided today. If we were the same of, a, of the same mindset as 2001, we would all be one in this fight against COVID. There would be no anti-maskers and anti-vacciners and what have you. We would be together what as would, an American people. What would an, a, an attack like that right now do to the country? Oh Where would God. we be as a country tomorrow if we experienced that right now today? Boy, that's a would great question. Would it bring us back together? No, I think it'd be anarchy. I really do. Nah. I, I think the finger pointing would, would, oh, it would be bad, Kenny. I really do. I, I think it would be bad. Just if you, you're saying the exact same set of circumstances in 2001 yeah. today. Oh, can yeah, you imagine yeah. what would happen? Yeah. You know the answer to that. Well, everybody's saying China's up to something, you know. Oh God! Yes, they are. They want. They want the world. Mm-hmm. They want to knock us off. 
They want to mm-hmm. be the economic leader. If you follow the story of who is the Chinese billionaire? Yeah, he's gone. Know. He's yeah. missing. Never heard he's of him. He's missing. Gone. Who, who, who are you talking, talking about? Nothing to see yeah, here. Don't know. Yeah, no. Jack. What's his name? Jack. He ran away. It's M M what M. There's only two letters, right? The last name. Jack Ma. Jack Ma. Something like that. He's gone. He criticized yeah. the government. Where is he? Same with uh, one of the journalists early on that uh, was covering COVID and trying to tell the truth. She's she gone. Mm-hmm. I did uh, find some press coverage also of the Hong Kong flu. All right. Uh, mostly local papers. Boston Globe headline, Hong Kong flu may be here, November 19th, 1968. Uh, these are all from November, December of that year. Oh, yeah. 68. What year was uh, Woodstock? 68, wasn't 69. it? 69. 69. Oh, that was a super but, spreader. But, but super it was, spreader. It was still going on, right? It went through 70, I think. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what they say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it, that's yeah. a good point. Woodstock took place in the middle of the Hong Kong flu mm-hmm. epidemic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dirty hippies not wearing any pants or shoes. Yeah, there's a ton of headlines from different uh, papers, including the Minneapolis Star, which uh, the headline was Schools. Businesses conquered by flu, December thirteenth, nineteen sixty-eight. Maybe conquered by, but not closed. Not closed. I was in college. I don't recall it. Or if I got it, I don't even remember getting it. You and and Bob Marley. (laughs) 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 I just drummed my way through it. I guess. Ditch yeah. weed full of seeds and stems. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it. in a newspaper. I don't know what got... Well, I told you that I just kind of went down that rabbit hole in 1968. And, and uh, I just think as a culture, we've changed so considerably that I think the, I think the American of... 19, I think if a guy was 70 years old in 1968 and obviously no longer with us, if he could come back to life today to see America, he'd be shocked. He yeah. or she, oh, he or she would no be shot. Question. No oh, question. My staunch uh, farmer, Democrat, labor grandpa. Oh my God, he'd be appalled. Mm-hmm. Appalled. Say in your research um, and in your in your memory, do you remember from 1974 a, a craze that took over called Hong Kong Fui? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> what is Hong Kong Fui? Oh, it was a wonderful, wonderful cartoon. Yeah, cartoon. Yeah, Hong Kong Yeah. Dear Joe and the Dummies, I would like an interpretation of the 48-hour rule as it pertains to Grundhofer's meatloaf and brats that were inadvertently left in my freezer by one of the kids I used to have. I'm a 63-year-old retired copper who has been listening to you and Patrick from the get-go. I mean from the early 80s. I very rarely missed a broadcast from the AM 1500 days, and I've listened to all the podcasts except maybe a handful. I feel like we're old friends, although we've never met. I raised two sons who are in their mid-30s and have themselves turned out to be GLers, which brings me to my request for a ruling. I hosted Christmas at my house, which included the offspring. Parenthetically, he notes, I may have been in violation of the governor's restrictions, but I don't know because I've stopped paying attention to them. (laughs) The oldest kid I used to have uh, gave me and his brother each a Grunhofer's meatloaf and a package of brats for Christmas. Nice. Of course, we were both overjoyed and impressed with the gifts. My youngest put his in my freezer, intending to take it with him when he left a few days later. 
Well, you guessed it. He forgot. My question is, does the 48-hour rule apply to valuables left behind? If he doesn't let me know of his mistake within 48 hours of him leaving, do I get to keep them? I discovered his goof-up almost immediately after he left, but I admittedly intentionally waited. Oh. It required 48 hours just in oh. case I could justifiably double my haul from the grund. Like I said, I used to be a cop, so I know how to push the envelope, so to speak. But I always, but I always play by the rules. So whatever his honor, the mayor decides, I will abide by his ruling. Thanks for all the great time over the years. Keep pushing back, lawyer, listener, Sig from an unorganized township near Grand Rapids, Minnesota. This, of course, he's talking about the fabulous meat products from Grunhofer's Old Fashioned well, Meats what's in you, Hugo. What's your ruling? Fascinating. This is the first time the forty-eight hour rule has come up regarding it, food. Is it, though, Joe? This seems more like common surface savings and loan. Oh, good Yo, point. Kenny, you're reading my mind, because I thought of that when I read this line. Well, you guessed it. He forgot. My question is, does the 48-hour rule apply to valuables left behind? I would say that we're not dealing with the 48-hour rule here. I suggest uh, Mr. Copper here is dealing with common surface savings and loan. Because it's his refrigerator. It's the same thing when you go visit a buddy to watch the football game. Boy, remember how we used to be able to do that? Um, yeah. And if you bring a 12-pack, have three or four beers. And you don't leave, take those home. That's bad form. No, you leave the rest of them in the fridge for, yep. for that person hosting. It's the same well, thing. Uh, unless you're Jesse Ventura, then you. <laughs> I, say, I say, Sig, from the great Northland, you are more than entitled to enjoy that Grunhofer's meatloaf and the brats. And I hope you get down to Hugo and get to Grunhofer's yourself right on the north end of Hugo on Highway 61 for the steaks and the ham and the bacon and the meatloaf and the burgers and the seasoning and the jerkies and what have you. Your uh, son has done you a favor, and he has been victimized by his own carelessness and uh, uh, tardiness. Uh, those are your meats now to enjoy, and I would not worry about the 48-hour rule. You've already... You've already uh, exceeded the 48-hour rule. You will be enjoying those products based on the common surface savings and loan. That's right. I've got a buddy, Bob, who has three New Year's resolutions every year, and truth be told, he rarely succeeds at accomplishing his goals. He's not alone, by the way. Only 10% of us do accomplish our New Year's resolution. Then it hit me. Bob should call the Canopy Group. Why? Bob wants to read more, and I'm not going to be able to read to him. Bob wants to lose 20 pounds, and I'm sure not the guy to help him with that. But I can help him with his third resolution, and that is to save money. How's he going to do that? that by handing this resolution over to the 30 professionals at the Canopy Group. They will help Bob save money on his home and auto insurance and have better coverage at the same time. There's 16 companies assure Bob's success, not only just this year, but they will do this for Bob every year to be sure he has the best coverage at the best price. New clients save more than $800 annually. Hand your New Year's resolution over to the Canopy Group and be part of the 10% with good old Bob who succeeds in accomplishing at least one of their New Year's resolutions, call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. All you bobs out there, get with it. 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. 
Did you ever think common sense would be this much fun? Joe Souchere. The American Institute of Non-Destructive Testing. It's our answer, GLers, to the Failed Academy, and we're going to break it down right here and now. With the Failed Academy, you'll be churned out with a random liberal arts degree. It's going to qualify you to not earn a living and be broke and unhappy. With TrainingNDT.com, you will learn a marketable skill in a very rewarding field. With the Failed Academy, you'll be able to continue your schooling so you can go back and get your master's degree, which will allow you to teach college courses in the field in which you couldn't find a job. With non-destructive testing, you'll get a great job where you're always learning more and always getting higher levels of certification and always making more money. With the Failed Academy, the sky is the limit as far as tuition is concerned, and you'll pay off those loans for the rest of your life. With TrainingNDT.com, classes six months online, followed by three weeks in class in their brand-new facility. It's in Baxter, near Brainerd, while uh, residing in a nice hotel that's included in your tuition. And with a 92% placement rate, a wonderful career is the obvious outcome. TrainingNDT.com, it's the website if you're young, ambitious, just getting started in life, or even if your current situation is less than rewarding, please, you owe it to yourself. Check out the Institute of Non-Destructive Testing, TrainingNDT.com. Get the training, start doing non-destructive testing, and be happy forevermore. Back to the dining restrictions that the governor might ease up on tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Governor Walls will be announcing an easing of some COVID-19 restrictions, including indoor dining, due to a decreasing coronavirus numbers in Minnesota, according to a spokesman from the governor's office. As COVID-19 numbers improve following the pause on activities around the holidays. Governor Walls will address Minnesotans live on Wednesday at 2 p.m. to announce a loosening of restrictions on indoor dining and other settings, said Teddy Shan, the communications director for the governor's office. Indoor dining has not been allowed since mid-November after the governor put a pause in place due to rising case numbers. The indoor dining ban is set to continue through Jan 10, Outdoor dining was allowed to resume December 19th. Some businesses, such as Alibi Drinkery in Lakeville, have opened for indoor dining in defiance of the current order and have faced legal challenge. Hospitalizations continue to trend downward from their peak in late November, according to statistics from the Minnesota Department of Health. Now, I was going to say, what's the difference between... Uh, what has helped you determine that you can open indoor dining, however restrictively, this Friday, for example, uh, but you couldn't do it two weeks ago? I, I would right. suspect their answer is uh, we, we stifled the, the Christmas outbreak. We stifled mm -hmm. a potential Christmas yeah, outbreak. It's going to be a lot of back pad, uh, padding. They're going to be proud of themselves. And speaking of that, uh, Paul Bloom is chronicling this right now from Fox 9 that uh, a contempt of court hearing is underway for the Lakeville bar owner, Lisa Monet-Zarza, uh, keeping Alibi open despite Governor Walz's current orders. Mm -hmm. That's happening right now. Mandate, not a law. But what this sets up is... If, they, if caseloads start to increase again, 
then he'll go back into another lockdown. We have every reason to believe that would be the case, that that's what he would do. And I continue to realize there's just there really is no current end in sight to this. Uh, if he opens restaurants, uh, however, however limited the capacity, we still could be facing the prospect of, of uh, him saying, well, you know, the numbers are going back up, so we're going to close them down again. I, I don't know why, as we've pointed out for a couple of days, you can take an airplane and be sitting two inches from people and eating the Kentucky Fried Chicken you brought on board, <laughs> but you can't you can't go you can't go to a restaurant. Uh, but again, I'm sure that the reason uh, he can provide, and I'm, I, I don't doubt that it would be true, uh, that that close down over Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, uh, probably helped. I don't see any other way they could say it. It probably helped. And, what are you but, on his administration now? What what what's happened to you? Well, there's no other reason he can give for opening now. He 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 will say we had great success with the lockdown from mid-November through Christmas, and uh, it, it, we, the new we year. think new it, New Year's and it worked, and now we're ready to loosen up again. Okay, that doesn't help me because I still don't know anything more today than I did <laughs> on March fifteenth, twenty twenty. I don't think that we're going to see anything opening up before April first. Oh, Chris! I'm not no, kidding. He, no, this no. Tomorrow he will announce some some restaurant oh, openings. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're just all doom and gloom. I am Jesus. today. I'm sorry. You're right. Well, well be, I, because he, he he's he's given us no reason to believe that, Kenny. Well, you've got that. He's telegraphing the fact that he's going to make a big announcement tomorrow, and yeah. that announcement's going to be. His office has said things will yeah. open. That, okay. that announcement's going to be restaurants, but quote other settings, whatever that means. Well, what are closed? Salons, gyms. Gyms are starting closed. to reopen. No, they're they're open. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we had the guy from Maplewood. That's right. Bring a gun to the what was it? Lifetime or was it L.A. Fitness? It was a Maplewood. Lifetime. Who's not wearing a mask? I'm pulling a gun on the gym manager. Okay, there, psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the gym thing has never been a problem for me. I've never been a gym guy. I just soon go for a walk outside. We can tell, right? <laughs> oh, wow. I'm kidding. I'm the fat one. <laughs> no, I I just like to be outside. I don't want to sure. go to a gym. Uh, although I suppose if you wanted to lift weights, that's where you'd have to go. Well, not to mention if you know runners you, running this time of the year in the state's not really that much of an outdoor running is not much of an option. Yeah. Well, you can some do the, it. No, some yeah. do like doing I it. I see runners every day. Yeah. Every day. Every, some of them wearing shorts in this weather. Every day. Every day. It'll I be like fascinating. The guys, that's, the guys that strap up their snowshoes when there's two inches of snow and go for a walk <laughs> on the grass right next to the sidewalk. <laughs> you guys crack me up. <laughs> I have never seen in my life such activity at the local golf courses for cross-country skiing. Uh, people are waiting mm. to park. It is amazing. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on the Highland Golf Courses. And uh, probably because uh, they all got stuff for Christmas and probably because what the hell else is there to do? Yep. Right. Kenny, back to your um, your comment. Um, mm. I'm married to a gal who will, uh, this time of the year, she puts the tennis shoes on and then she's got almost like baseball spikes that she straps around her tennis shoes. <laughs> So she can run on the trails in our area. And well, there's I, nothing wrong with that. I've had a pair of those. Yeah. I, I can't find them. I wish I could find them. 
Nothing wrong with snowshoes either. I have three pair. I love them. Yeah. But, you know, I, I wait till the snow is deeper than two and a half inches to put them on. <laughs> I went through that cross-country skiing phase. As did I when I was a kid, you know, and I remember having a good time doing it, but my feet got too cold because you're basically wearing street shoes. Well, I got into it, man. I love to wax them up and figure out, oh, if I use the blue wax today, I bet I'll really go fast. And (laughs) hell, I never got the hang of it, to tell you the truth. (laughs) Was it a coordination thing? And the sledding, the sledding is incredibly popular. People are really outside enjoying this uh, fairly mild weather we're having. Uh, I don't know how long that will last. I predict we'll get some cold weather, but, man, I love this weather. It's been great. I think so we talked about this this morning on Jason's show. The thing that we forget as adults, we all remember how fun uh, sliding was. You know, they as you a call kid. it sledding, sliding. Yeah. Uh, but none of us have done it recently. And, we, well, Reavers, you're probably going to have to because you have kids of the age. Yep. Sliding sucks. I mean, it really, it's hard to get down in that sled. The yeah. bumps kill you. It's hard to get off the sled. And then you have to trudge up yeah. the hill. Yeah. It's the going no back up thanks. part that's not any good. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work for 10 seconds of thrill. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now. Wait a minute. But it's, a, it's, it's a penance. It's a penance every parent must pay. It, it's oh, a parent, every parent must but pay. But I found day. it, especially on the weekends, I have found that it's much more enjoyable and tolerable after about six or seven beers. Then it's kind of fun. Then you, you don't take mind at those, all. Take those boys to the Black Diamond Run, Chris. You find yourself <laughs> a super steep hill. Send them down once. They'll break an arm or a leg, and then you'll be done for the winter. That's a good point. You don't point. have to deal with it anymore. You know, our, our local uh, ice rink is not open. They decided not to, and I don't know if it's a COVID thing, but they decided not to flood the neighborhood that's, ice rink. You know it's what? a city-owned that's piece of un, property. That's un-Minnesotan. That's, yeah, that's really wrong. That's you don't I do thought. that in this state. That's what I thought. The, the Groveland wrong. rinks are flooded. The Groveland rinks are flooded. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if a, a lot of outdoor rinks are flooded, but the Groveland rinks are flooded. They got a guy there that maintains them with a Zamboni. Nice. Yeah. That's it's a, really those really rinks cool. are amazing. That's They're a really nice cool. little spot. Did you guys ever race, by the way, you and Kenny? No, I'd beat Kenny going backwards. (laughs) That's not a problem. That's not a problem. I don't have any fight left in me. He probably would. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, I was organizing my workshop over Christmas, and I dusted off some old tools that I would thought interest you, and he sent me a picture. I love the advertising and phone numbers on these old gems. One is an old ice pick from Schofield Ice and Fuel Company, Schofield, Wisconsin, and probably probably states on it, use ice year-round. Also has the phone number, phone 4403. The other is a handy little level that I still use regularly that is one foot long and also has a gradient inch marks to be used as a ruler. It reads Johnson Hardware, Vernon Center, Minnesota, phone 30, signed Keith. I have a level like that, too. I have a level that's about six feet tall, long. I don't know where I got it, uh, but I'm not letting go. And get this. When we built a house and they tore up the, the basement cement of the old house, up yeah. came a level that had been concreted in when the oh, house cool. was built. And I've kept it as a memento. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, an old metal, a metal level embedded in a hunk of concrete. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Kenny, you'd like that. I yeah, might give no, it to I you someday. I love stuff like that. Uh, probably won't. Say, uh, 
you want to take a, a time out and come back with John Height? We can, but first, how about if I tell you about our friends at Harmony Spirits? Joe, uh, we are outside of the holiday season, but that is no reason to put down the bottle. I'm kidding. Uh, HarmonySpirits.net is their uh, is their website, by the way. Go online, sign up for that uh, monthly newsletter, and what they're going to do is they are going to randomly select one subscriber to receive a free bottle of spirits of your choice, whether it's the whiskey, the barrel-strength bourbon, uh, the rum that I know a lot of people have enjoyed, the vodka, the gin. It doesn't matter. It's a selection made up to you. Here's what Harmony would continue uh, to ask that all of you GLers would do, just like you did in 2020. This year, go in to your local liquor store. Ask for the Harmony brand by name. They are so thankful for all of you jailers that have already done that to help them continue to grow their brand. They've been a great find for us here in Garage Logic. Local handcrafted spirits made right in Harmony, Minnesota. Also at Harmony Spirits on Twitter. They're a great follow. And please pick up your bottle and tell them you heard about them on Garage Logic. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, who has a very important question for you. Do you know what you own? You see, Josh Arnold's clients always know what they own, and he has found that when he meets people every single day, most of those people don't even know what they own. Josh has seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds, and there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that these bonds currently yield. So Josh screams at you, know what you own. And later today here in GL, you're going to hear from the man himself. And he has some tenuous predictions for 2021 that you might find very interesting. So make sure you stick around for that. Trust is often overused and it's even harder to find. Please take it from me that you can trust Josh. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. So I know a lot of you GLers, uh, your outdoor adventures, you're kind of like me. They just run continuous one season into the other with barely a breather and if you're like me, you're, maybe you're thinking it's uh, about time to up the outdoor game to the next level. Oh, you know what? I'm on the ice yesterday. I'm moving my house. And this guy rolls up with a brand new uh, Polaris Ranger side-by-side. The thing's got a cab on it, tracks, light bars. Oh, so awesome. I'd love to be able to tool around on the ice and move my house with that thing. Um, and it's all possible, and it's all available from Moon Motorsports. Click on moonmotorsports.com. You can see for yourself, uh, the folks at Moon, I'm talking the employees, they're us. Uh, they're outdoor nuts just like us, and they can definitely help us find the right machine for whatever winter activity you have planned next. Motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-side sleds, by far the largest inventory of motorized fun. It's right there under one roof at Moon Motorsports. Uh, they've been there in operation in Monticello since 71, 50 years, and family-owned and operated the whole time. Nine brands on hand. Can you name them? Johnny, name all nine brands right now. Go. Duh. Yamaha. Honda, uh, Polaris, Polaris, Yamaha, Can Am, BMW, Triumph, Ducati. No, oh. KTM, Skidoo. 
much better than the cat. Uh, and Triton Trailers. Actually, that's 10. Uh, again, the website, moonmotorsports.com. They're located on the south side of 94 in Monticello. Get up there. Get that new Ranger side-by-side. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and Happy New Year from Moon Motorsports. Here's Johnny Height. Thank you, Joe. This uh, update brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Store. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Joe, it looks like there will be a lifting of some restrictions on restaurant openings here in Minnesota and on other settings in the state, too. But as to how much is to open is still not known. Governor Tim Walz expected to make an announcement regarding the restrictions at 2 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. The governor's office did not specify what it meant by other settings. Current restrictions do not allow indoor dining. Restaurants are allowed to provide carryout delivery at outdoor dining. Uh, that Wisconsin pharmacist who uh, ended up destroying uh, some of the vaccine, he yeah. apparently was convinced the world was crashing down, and he told police he tried to ruin hundreds of doses of coronavirus because he thought the shots would mutate people's DNA. Police in Grafton, about 20 okay. miles... Police in Grafton, about 20 miles north of Milwaukee, arrested pharmacist Stephen Brandenburg last week following an investigation into the 57 spoiled vials of the Moderna vaccine. That contained enough doses to inoculate more than 500 people, according to authorities. A detective wrote in a probable cause statement that the 46-year-old Brandenburg is an admitted conspiracy theorist and that he told investigators he intentionally tried to ruin it so it couldn't change anyone's DNA. I didn't know this guy was a pharmacist. I thought it was just oh, some yeah. employee. A, wow. Isn't that alarming? Yeah. A guy like this is dishing out meds. I'm glad I didn't get any prescriptions from this guy. No kidding. Is this the fellow, John, whose wife warned the authorities previously? I and did she's not just, see oh, that. Uh, you know what? I might, no, I might be associating that with a bad guy in New York. No, you're uh, thinking of the uh, you're the thinking bomb of the guy. bomb guy. That's who you're yeah. thinking Nashville. of. Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, 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 Nashville. Him. Yep, that's yep. the one. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's tough okay. for us to keep our psychopaths separate, isn't it, Kenny? <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, December was the deadliest month of the coronavirus pandemic in the U.S. with almost 78,000 deaths. In the week ending January 3rd, more than 18,400 people died from COVID-19. That brings us to about 351,000 deaths, or about one in every 930 U.S. residents, according to an analysis of state and county reports. Uh, not only that, uh, but the U.S. could see an elevated death rate for more than a decade that comes from COVID, but not really from COVID, uh, meaning, of course, uh, despair, deaths by suicide, and yes. overdose. Yes. All of this according to a new study by researchers at Duke, Harvard, and Johns Hopkins Universities. Over a 20-year period, they say that could amount to 1.37 million additional deaths. Deaths of despair, deaths by suicide, and overdose also jumped as much as 60% in the U.S. amid the pandemic and recession. Deaths from opioid overdoses, which were already elevated late in 2019, increased further in the early months of the pandemic, according to the same research. Dumb, dumb question, John. They're not yes. being counted as COVID deaths, are they? No, that's correct. They're not. Um, did you guys read uh, Daniel Horowitz's piece on the blaze today? I did not. Uh, Which piece? Uh, basically, it's um, here's the here's the headline. Uh, with no lockdown or mask mandate, the state of Florida has roughly the same hospitalization level as the 2018 flu season, meaning that he's convinced that the lockdowns and the mandates and everything else doesn't really make that much of a difference. I just I found it interesting, and I didn't know if you guys had read it or not. Because it's, it it's all open in Florida. There's nothing 
you know, uh, there's no uh, no restrictions at all in that state. Mm-hmm. In Los Angeles County, with no hospital beds available, ambulance crews in the country were given guidance yesterday not to transport patients with little chance of survival. In little more than a month, the county doubled its number of infections, going from 400,000 cases November 30th to more than 800,000 cases January 2nd. That has translated to a surge of COVID-19 patients, overwhelming hospitals and plunging intensive care unit capacity across the region to zero there are now more than 7,600 people hospitalized in the county with COVID-19, 21% of those in ICUs. A search warrant application filed in Hennepin County District Court says Minneapolis police officers that were part of that community response team were trying to buy a handgun from Delal Id before his fatal shooting in South Minneapolis last week. Officers suspected Id, who was prohibited from possessing firearms because of past convictions, was illegally selling guns. According to the affidavit, which was requested to search the family's home after last week's shooting, officers were using a confidential informant to try to buy a MAC-10 high-capacity pistol from Id. According to the search warrant application, the confidential informant also told investigators the suspect had additional firearms at his residence. When officers moved to arrest him on Wednesday night, video shows Id firing at officers before they respond with fire, and Id is killed. During the early morning hours of December 31st, Hennepin County Sheriff's deputies and BCA investigators searched an Eden Prairie home where Id lived along with his family. According to the warrant, officers didn't find any weapons or records of weapons sales in the search of the house. Well, of course there's not records. It's all illegal. Come on. We keep very good books on this. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't think that there's any transaction receipts, Kenny? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Could you get me a form for that purchase, Id? (laughs) He doesn't sound like the guy who would have kept records. No. Uh, no. No. But his family Joe, still wants answers, Joe. They want justice. Yeah, they just they want justice. <laughs> it's a lot of absurd things going on, isn't there? Really, oh. Jen? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that the obvious? Jeez. <laughs> Uh, Georgia voters are set to decide the balance of power in Congress in a pair of high-stakes Senate runoff elections that'll help determine President-elect Joe Biden's capacity to enact what might be the most uh, progressive governing agenda in generations. Republicans are unified against Biden's plans for health care, environmental protection, and civil rights, but some think that outgoing President Trump's attempts to undermine the integrity of the nation's voting systems might discourage voters in Georgia. At a rally in northwest Georgia on the eve of the runoffs today, the president repeatedly declared the November elections were plagued by fraud that Republican officials, including the former attorney general and Georgia's election chief, say did not occur. The president called Georgia's Republican secretary of state crazy and vowed to help defeat him in two years. Mm. Uh, Democrats must win both of the state Senate elections to gain the Senate majority. In that scenario, the Senate would be equally divided 50-50, and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, uh, Kamala, Harris serving as the tiebreaker for Democrats. Democrats already secured an Arrow House majority and the White House during November's general elections. Uh, during that rally last night, the president did vow to fight on. And some GOP lawmakers, as we know, are backing him, uh, despite the outpouring of condemnation from current and former party officials. All 10 living former defense secretaries, spurred on by former Vice President Dick Cheney, wrote in an op-ed that the time for questioning the results of the election have passed. And almost 200 of the country's top business leaders urging Congress to certify the electoral results, arguing that attempts to thwart or delay the process run counter to the essential tenets of our democracy. 
Meanwhile, Trump supporters planning to rally today and tomorrow, seeking to bolster the president's claims of the widespread voter fraud that in Washington, D.C. Bracing for possible violence, the nation's capital has mobilized 340 National Guard members ahead of protests. Ahead of all that, the leader of the Proud Boys, the far-right group that has vocally supported President Trump's efforts to overturn the election, was arrested on Monday in Washington. Enrique Tarrio, chairman of the Proud Boys, was arrested by Metropolitan Police on suspicion of burning a Black Lives Matter banner that was torn from a historic black church in Washington during protests last month. Spokesman for the police department said the 36-year-old Tario had been arrested on charges of destruction of property. When he was arrested, he was also found to have two high-capacity firearm magazines and charged accordingly with possession. He was charged with felonies for that. He has admitted to tearing down the banner, but said he didn't know it came from a predominantly black church. From the Star Tribune, Chris mentioned this earlier. Wait, 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 yes, yes, sir, yes, yes. Say that last part again. Which part? He tore the flag. He he had admitted to tearing the banner down, the Black Lives Matter banner, and then he burned it. But But he he didn't? No, it came from a predominantly black church. So because uh, the prosecutors had said they may pursue a hate crime, and it wouldn't be a hate crime, obviously, if if he didn't know it were... So he's just yeah. contending it was from a random church. That's That was his, uh, yeah, oh. that was what he said. All right. Thank you, John. From the Star Tribune, a Maplewood fitness club manager <laughs> tackled and disarmed a man who pointed a handgun at the manager's chest. Uh, why was he doing this? Well, he was complaining members were exercising without wearing their face masks. 64-year-old Michael Florhog of Maplewood was charged in Ramsey County District Court with assault with a dangerous weapon in connection with the incident about 30 minutes before Thursday's 6 p.m. closing time at the L.A. Fitness. So it was L.A. Fitness, Chris, sorry. Yep. L.A. Fitness on County Road D near White Bear Avenue. Florhog remains jailed in lieu of $50,000 bail before a court appearance. Assistant Manager Mike Olson, 33 years old, said Monday afternoon that, quote, I just kind of knew what had to be done. It didn't take much thinking. It was more of a reaction. Olson credited his willingness to risk his life to his four years in the Army, especially during an eight-month tour of Iraq in 2007-2008. The criminal complaint says that Florhog had a state-issued permit in his wallet that allowed him to carry a gun in public. According to the complaint, Florhog complained to a front desk employee about gym members who didn't have masks on. Olson stepped in and told Florhog, who was not an active club member, to leave while explaining the gym lacked the staff to enforce the mandate. The assistant manager also told Florhog that he was welcome to pay an employee out of his own pocket to enforce the mask rules. That, of course, was expected to be a joke, Olson said. He said he asked it in a humorous way to defuse the situation. Well, at that point, Florhog yelled at Olson, called him dumb, said he intended to go around the club and take pictures of members. Olson put up his hands to halt Florhog, who countered by pointing the gun at him. Oh. Olson backed away. Have fun in prison, bud. It's come to that, huh? Uh-huh. God. Olson backed away as Florhog put the gun back in his sweatshirt pocket. As Florhog walked toward the front of the gym, Olson tackled him from behind, took the gun, and took out its ammunition. Olson thought Florhog was going to shoot members, he said, who didn't have masks on. Thank God we had a vet on hand to handle matters. Thank yeah. goodness. But imagine if he hadn't. You know, how, how bad of a situation that this could have escalated into. My God. Mm-hmm. And I've never understood this. We've talked about this a million times. Whether you're pro or anti-mask, how how it could consume you to the point 
where you get this violently angry about it. I just have never understood that. I'm PO'd that he carried his firearm in his stupid pocket. No GLer does that. You, you got a holster. There's so many varieties of the holsters available. Why would you do that? Well, this guy wasn't a GLer for God's sake. He's a no. nutcase. That's why I said GLers know better. Right. A uh, rock and roll death, Jerry Marsden. Yep. His band Jerry and the Pacemakers proved to be formidable rivals to the Beatles in the early Liverpool rock scene of the 1960s. Died Sunday in Liverpool. He was 78. His death at Arrow Park Hospital in the Merseyside metropolitan area confirmed by his family the cause of death, heart infection. Jerry and the Pacemakers were the second band signed by the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, but they earned a number one single on the official United Kingdom singles chart before the Beatles ever did, accomplishing that feat with their debut single, How Do You Do It? It beat the Beatles' maiden chart topper from me to you by three weeks. Uh, their next two singles, I Like It and You'll Never Walk Alone, followed suit, making them the first act to hit the UK singles chart at number one with their first three releases. Uh, Marsden's talent as a songwriter... <laughs> What are we laughing about? Oh, there's a coup d'etat going on at Joe's house right now. Five-year-olds are <laughs> running amok around the house. You know what they're doing? What? what are they doing? They're learning how to roller skate. Oh, that's In fun. the house. In the house. Well, don't let them out in your garage, Joe. No, I don't want to. I don't Put a big I don't dent care. in that MG. I don't care if they're in the house. They won't hurt their head if they fall on the carpet. You know what I think they need, Kenny? I think the They're roller skating on carpet. Yeah, that's what but the doing. wheels are about five feet wide. For God's sake, you couldn't fall over on these things if you tried. What do they need, Reavers? I think they need a giant boombox to kind of simulate, you know, how we used to learn how to roller skate <laughs> yeah, at sure. the uh, yep. at Ginny's yeah. Skate Station down in Faribault back in the mid '80s. Van Nuys Boulevard. We had a big boombox on my uh, shoulder as I was up and down the boardwalk. <laughs> Could you Venice imagine? Beach. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Marsden was 78 years old. What'd you think of the group, John? Uh, I love the group, actually. I, how can you not love Ferry Cross the Mercy? It's, it's a, a fun song. song. Yeah. How can you not like Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying? Yeah. And I like the rock and roll stuff, too. I like it. That was a great yeah. song. Yeah. I, I, I thought they were a very good band. In Australia, two men stumbled across a naked fugitive living off snails and hiding in the croc-infested mangroves during a fishing trip near Darwin. Cam Faust and Kevin Joyner were in a boat laying crab traps in East Point, about 18 kilometers north of Darwin, when they heard someone calling for help. We heard this faint, ah, I said to my mate, is that guy saying help? We got a bit closer. They're surprised when the pair got closer. What they found was a naked man clinging to branches, filthy and covered in bug bites. Luke Vasrasenki told them, I've been eating snails. He said he was stuck after getting lost on his way to a New Year's Eve party a few days earlier. Mr. Fout said, I thought he was having us on. And then we went closer and realized the severity, completely naked, covered in cuts. Keep going. Maybe you'll answer the question. The friend said the 40-year-old really wanted to get out of there, was happy to get on the boat where they welcomed him with, of course, a cold beer. They agreed Mr. Faust would gift the stark naked man his shorts as he was in a better position to do so. Mr. Joyner said, I couldn't. I wasn't wearing any undies. After bringing <laughs> Miss... He needed Chill Boys. Yeah, chillboys.com. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. After bringing the man back to town and calling an ambulance, the friends found out the real reason the man was out in the middle of nowhere. 
Uh, Mr. Faust said I was going to go visit him in the hospital, but uh, my partner's a paramedic and said he's in the hospital with handcuffs on, two cops babysitting him. He was wanted on an arrest warrant for allegedly breaching bail over an armed robbery. That's why he was out in the wild. He had escaped, breaking free from his ankle bracelet that was monitoring his whereabouts. Okay, so reporting isn't what it used to be. What do you got? Where does clothes go? Well, Nobody else curious about that, huh? No. It's just the first thing you do when you get lost in the outback is strip off the clothes and throw nah, them away. You know what I'd say? Forget it. It's Australia. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty weird place. It's a pretty weird place. Last light of Chinatown, but you changed it. Just forget it. It's Australia, Jake. It's Australia. Oh, okay. You're more clever than I am. I don't remember that. It's the last line of Chinatown. Come on. One more election story. Uh, no one knows if President Trump will attend Joe Biden's inauguration, but stories surfaced this week that said he was planning on going to Scotland and playing golf on the day that Biden gets inaugurated. Well, Scotland's first minister says that ain't happening. Nicola Sturgeon stressed it's illegal right now to travel in or out of the country without a valid reason and said, quote, coming to play golf is not what I would consider to be an essential purpose. Who was the last president to skip an inauguration? I know there's been at least Boy. two, correct? Has there really? I didn't I'll know. Look but it it's up. been it's oh. been a long run. Last Not in our lifetimes. Life I don't knows. recall anyone in my lifetime. No. An Indiana woman said she climbed Mount Rushmore at night because she knows it's not allowed. In other words, because it's there. Right. Sort of. Sort of the same right. thing. What are steps going up? You can, you can get most of the way up. Do you need any steps? Molly Venderly was arrested and charged Sunday night with three federal misdemeanors, climbing Mount Rushmore, trespassing after hours, and being in an area closed to the public, according to court records. She was fined $1,250 after pleading guilty to the climbing charge during a Monday hearing at federal court in Rapid City. The other charges dropped as part of her plea deal. The report filed by a park ranger says uh, the 20-year-old Venderly is from Bloomington, Indiana. The ranger was monitoring security cameras from the Mount Rushmore Dispatch Center when he saw a flashlight moving along the Talus Slope, the pile Oops. of broken rocks at the base of the monument just under George oh. Washington. Oh. The ranger jogged to the edge of the Talus Slope where he saw the climber had made it to the base of Washington. Yet another security worker turned on spotlights to illuminate the memorial while he shouted to Venderly that she needed to climb down. By this time, Venderly had made it to the base of Washington's <laughs> lapel. You get off of there! <laughs> <laughs> About 200 feet above the talus slope. Uh, she yelled, okay, I'm sorry, and came back down. Venderly identified herself, was sober, cooperative, and uninjured, except for a scratch on her hand. She said she knew the park was closed and that she wasn't allowed to climb Mount Rushmore, which is why she decided to do it at night, she told the ranger. The ranger and Venderly returned to the parking lot where she left her vehicle despite multiple announcements earlier in the day that the park was closed. All three women, there were two friends waiting for, were under 21, had a bottle of champagne in the car. Second <laughs> <laughs> Second Ranger found Venderly's ID card as well as her older sister's ID. Venderly denied using the sister's ID to buy the champagne. Both Rangers had to leave after getting an urgent call for service regarding, quote, three vehicles doing high-speed donuts. Very busy night at Mount Rushmore. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Second Ranger told the two friends they'd get tickets in the mail bef uh, before both the Rangers responded to the dangerous driving 
issue. In the past, three outgoing presidents, John Adams in 1801, John Quincy Adams in 1829, and Andrew Johnson in 1869 refused to attend their successors' inaugurations. John Adams did. Wow. You guys know what's back in St. Paul? It was Jefferson, right? You guys know what's back in St. Paul? No, they were they were good friends, John. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why he's good. They were best friends. Oh, well, he'll try again. Do you, do you guys hear a voice off in the distance? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't trying know. Trying to be heard? Sounds like See, he's roller skating. like history, remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Red Savoy Pizza is oh, back in downtown Red St. Paul. Red Savoy, baby. Red Savoy, original location from 1965, was on 7th Street, and it became a great St. Paul treasure, but the word got out, and people from all over the metro came over to get a Red Savoy pizza, and the late Earl Red Schoenheider sold it to Reed Daniels, sold the name, and he told Reed, whatever you do, don't bleep up my pizza. That's a <laughs> recipe that I've had for 50 years, 60 years, and uh, I don't want it altered. So now they're back in downtown St. Paul, right at the uh, uh, the site of the Wild Practice. I think it's called the Treasure Island Building, right? Yes. And that's, that's one of... 15 locations, soon to be 16. Now, pay attention. If you've never had Red Savoy pizza, you're really missing something because Red wasn't kidding when he said he had a special recipe. They're now in Apple Valley, Blaine, Burnsville, Egan, Eden Prairie, Edina, Hugo. Lakeville will open next month. Osseo, Roseville, St. Louis Park, downtown St. Paul, east side of St. Paul on White Bear Avenue, St. Paul on Snelling, that's my place, Vadness Heights and Woodbury. This is cut in squares. It's soda style. It's been soda style since 1965. That's S-O-T-A, not soda, like a soda, Minnesota, soda style pizza. You know, Chicago's got deep dish, mm-hmm. and New York's got giant slices. We have soda style, but only Red's Savoy had soda style, and now Reed has the recipe. It's just fantastic. It's a thin crust. It's cut in squares. It's my favorite pizza. It has been for 60, 50 years because I, I even frequented the place on 7th Street. It's been fantastic, and I'm glad it's back. It's uh Great toppings, great cheese, and cut into squares like it should be since 1965. And uh, Reed is insistent that he will keep Red's recipe going through the ages because it has become a St. Paul treasure now available everywhere in the metropolitan area. And if you have not tried Red Savoy pizza, (laughs) you're, you're really missing something. And why don't you also download the Red Savoy app? You'll get rewards like free cheese bread on their first order, a free pizza on your birthday, and access to happy hour pricing. Happy hour pricing. Hey, Joe, will you tell the GL listeners how to download that Red Savoy app? (laughs) Well, you go to your phone. Yep. And and you type in Red Savoy, I bet. Right. Maybe right in your app store. Right in your app store. What about HTTP? tpwww.red apostrophe s savoy it really is the best you guys serious question because you you mentioned if you haven't tried it and i'm one of those dum-dums who's never tried it so my question to you is where is your store the one you would frequent because i'm i have a feeling that would be closest to me too snelling snelling be uh, snelling about a mile South of 94 on the on the oh. uh, west side of Snelling Avenue oh. in St. Paul. Oh, so I could, because I'll, I'll be there tomorrow or Thursday. 
Uh, I'm, trying to else, I'm trying to think where else you might find it close. St. Louis Park? No. 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 I'll be at the station on Thursday, so I well, can. Well, go to Snelling. Over. Go to Snelling. Yeah. You've Perfect. never had pizza like this. I'm not kidding. It is different. It is different. You're it right. It is it's really, really, really wonderful stuff. Let's Grunhofer them. Let's Grunhofer those Red Savoy pizza locations. We'll be back in just a moment. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. I found GLers. I found it. I found the guy that has all the ammo. He's one of my neighbors up here in Hooterville. I know he's got about a zillion cartridges on hand because he's sending rounds downrange every single day. And I'm not talking 10 practice shots. I'm talking hundreds of rounds every day. Uh, so that's where all the uh, that's it's one of my guys. So sorry about that, GLers. Thankfully, we all have DKMags.com on Old Eight, New Brighton, and Monticello Pound and Gun. They're going to keep us supplied, stocked, and informed. But yeah, you know the drill with ammo. Uh, and if you're new to the firearms game, yeah, you can get a firearm, but good luck with the ammo because everybody's stocking up for some reason. Not me. I, I just keep the same amount on hand uh, all the time. Anyway, DK Mags, plenty of firearms, all varieties to choose from. Uh, but who doesn't need another barrel to heat up? That's where the website comes in, dkmags.com. Click on that and start drooling. And then... Get over to DK. They're on Old 8 in New Brighton or up to Monticello Pond and Gun and get it done. Special orders. I love special orders, especially with DK, because all you do is throw some money down, make the order. They call you in a week or two. You go down, pick it up. You stand around in the store, look at all the cool stuff, check out all the firearms, the accessories, all the toys. You can get it all right there at DKMags.com. Again, Old 8 in New Brighton or Monticello Pond and Gun. John, why did he not attend the inauguration? Uh, they had a falling out during uh, this election. Of well, you some better sort. tell us who this is. It, uh, this is Thomas Jefferson and uh, John Adams. John Adams, second president, was running against Jefferson, or vice versa. Jefferson was running against him. Uh, and he hired, uh, Jefferson hired a journalist by the name of James Callender, who was uh, noted to be a rascal, it says in this story. And he wrote stuff about Adams, things like, get this, the reign of Mr. Adams has hitherto been continued tempest of malignant passions. He called Adams a hideous, hermaphroditical character who has neither the Whoa. force and firmness wow. of a man nor wow. the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. Wow. Eventually they made up after all of that, but there was. Uh, he also tied with Aaron Rear, remember vice presidents at that point also were in the running. Right. Uh, and they tried to uh, switch things around and it didn't work. Uh, so Adam said, uh, "I'm not, I'm not showing up." And then he also had some issues. His son had died during the, uh, the whole campaign, so he wanted to get back home. Plus, he had to figure out what he was going to do with the rest of his life and his finances. So there were several things involved. Eventually, they did make up, though. Adams and Jefferson. Who were the What's two the presidents the who died on the Fourth of July? It was those I two. It's those, those two. two. Right? Yeah. yeah, Adams and Jefferson. Uh, yeah. Have you seen? Is it Paul Giamatti, the actor who yes. starred in, uh, in? Adams? Adams. I didn't see it, no. Oh, great I know, series. I know of it, yes. Oh, it's wonderful. Really good. Yeah. He was a only, brooding character. Only because they come to us all the way from Mumbai, India, and our friend Tom Lyman. It is, uh, today is the uh, Walter Mondale's birthday, I believe, that 1928. Huh. I believe that would make him 93 today. He was born in Ceylon, Minnesota. 
a lifelong public servant. He represented Minnesota in the U.S. Senate. He occupied the vice presidency under Jimmy Carter, and he ran for president against Ronald Reagan, and he also was U.S. Ambassador to Japan. So happy birthday to Walter Fritz Mondale, born on this day in 1928. He ran in place of Paul, did he not, after Wellstone died? Yes. He did, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. I have one of those flyers. It's got a picture of Paul Wellstone. It's green like the bus was, and it's got Mondale's name on it. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Well, GLers... Let's uh, hang on to our hats, see what happens tonight in Georgia and, and tomorrow in Washington, D.C. We should be in for a roller coaster ride here. But we're here to help you get through it. Yes. Yes, we are. And hey, GLers, if you haven't done so already, please do us a favor and uh, download the PodMN app on both your Apple and Android devices today. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to Garage Logic on YouTube. We have a goal to get around 5,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, and only you can help us get there. Just search Garage Logic on YouTube, or you can find the link to our channel on garagelogic.com. You can also see links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. All of those social media accounts are available at the website, garagelogic.com. Who's a good boy? Who's a good girl. boy? Good girl. It's a girl. It's a girl. Uh, Chris. Sorry. Kate is a girl. God, sorry. Sorry, Kate. My apologies. Well, at least she identifies as a girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's that time of the show again, GLers. We check in with our guy, Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. Do it today. Call Josh for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Josh is on the line with us right now. Some pretty good results in the year 2020, and you have some predictions and some themes for 2021 today, don't you? Well, we'll go with the themes, and maybe we can throw in a few predictions as we get going into the year. Last year, 2020. Excellent year, even for the indexers. Dow was closed up 7.3%. The S&P closed up 16.3%. The NASDAQ, on the strength of some some favorites, Apple and Amazon, but also uh, Microsoft, Tesla, and Facebook, and NVIDIA, was up 43% for the year. The proprietary portfolio, which is real money, on which my clients' the portfolios is run off of, is a very focused concentrated portfolio that does not match the averages and is very limited. Of course, with any of these, there's always the risk that things will go up and down. That proprietary portfolio was up uh, 68% net after fees in 2020. This year, going to be, I'm not going to say more of the same, but expect volatility. We do have a, a new administration. There's still the virus out there. Pay attention to both political risk, risk of the virus, and we might throw in later this year, Fed might get involved depending on where inflation is and the growth of the economy. Something to pay attention to. Political risk, there's the risk of more regulation and higher taxes, not to mention, of course, potential for antitrust. One positive, as I see it, toning down of trade and tariff, which could boost international trade and be good for many of the multinationals, particularly those companies uh, dealing in China. My focus has always been on internet companies, leisure companies, China-related businesses, and real assets and doing short-term trading. But some themes that I think will work, tech win. Within tech, you've got 5G, digital 
urbanization, e-commerce, cybersecurity. Then the other theme is de-urbanization, a company that deals with both de-urbanization and tech wins. Take a look at a company like Zillow. Going to be very interesting, but if you need help, don't hesitate. Give me a call. And that's the kind of sound advice you're going to get every time that you call Mr. Money Talk. Josh Arnold, GLers, do yourself a favor. Get that financial situation in order for the new year of 2021. Give Josh a call right now at 952-925-5608. Josh, as always, it's a pleasure. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thank you very much, Chris. Talk to you soon. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.